Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Opera Theatre St. Louis is off and running for 2018. La Traviata has opened the season, and next up is a production titled Regina, the second of four operas on the season schedule. Orfeo and Eurydice and the world premiere of An American Soldier will follow. Today we're focusing on Regina. With me in studio is mezzo-soprano Susan Graham. She sings the title role. Bass baritone James Morris sings the role of Ben Hubbard. Soprano Susanna Phillips sings the role of Bertie Hubbard. Thank you all so much for being with us. Thank Thanks you. For Are you all set for the big production? Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Susan, let me begin with you. This, uh, the, I'm, I'm not familiar with Regina, but what I read about it makes me think of Tennessee Williams. Of course, it's another quite famous author who was behind this one. Tell Lillian me Hellman. About, yeah, yes, it, it. it's based on Lillian Hellman's amazing play, The Little Foxes, yeah. and, um, you know, sort of immortalized on film with Betty Davis in the title, in the role of Regina. Mark Blitzstein uh, took this play and turned it into an, uh, a musical theater kind of telling originally. It opened on Broadway originally in 1950-something, 49-50. I wrote all that down this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we did some homework. Uh-huh. just didn't stick in our heads. Um, but, but then through different productions, it sort of got modified, and now it, it's very well suited for an opera house. My understanding is that you saw the film with uh, Betty Davis, and that's what brought you into the whole thing. She's such a deliciously evil character. Mm-hmm. Very, I like to think, the opposite of, uh, certainly the opposite of most of the roles that I play, but I like to think opposite of how I am in real life, too, although mm-hmm. my colleagues might disagree. Well, I don't know. You're pretty good at it. Yeah. It's, a, it's that uh, honey-dripped but knife-in-the-hand type of thing. We call it the, the, the uh, velvet hammer. Oh. <laughs> I'm familiar with the Velvet Hammer. I'm, I'm a married man. Right? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> James, tell me something about your role. Well, Ben, he's, uh, I, I won't say he's the most conniving because Regina mm. holds that end up pretty well. But he's, uh, he's out to make money for the family. It's all about greed in, in the South during Reconstruction. And he's doing everything he can to make the family rich and cut Regina out of, out of things. And he's a real snake. We'll say. Just another fun family, yeah, it sounds right. like. It, right? It's all typecast, really. <laughs> <laughs> and Susanna, are you typecast in this as well? I hope not. But um, <laughs> my character, Bertie Hubbard, is, is someone who married into the family, and she um, is, is someone who, who was the, an aristocrat in the South. The Hubbards were not aristocrats, and she was. And she, had, she grew up on a plantation and had a lot of cotton and a lot of money. And Mary and Ben, James's character, arranged a marriage between his brother Oscar and Bertie, and um, with that came the plantation. Um, and then they proceeded to uh, dismiss her and ignore her, and she became an alcoholic. And so, at, the, at this point in the opera, she she um, she is an uh, an alcoholic, and it's very yeah. sad. But a very she, endearing. One. She is yeah. the she is the sympathetic character yeah. in all of this because. All of us are, are horrible people who, who just used her as a pawn mm-hmm. to, to, you know, augment our own family wealth. And she's the one that you end up sort of connecting with and feeling sorry for. My impression is that this was written for Broadway mm-hmm. initially. So, so how does that make it different as an opera? There's a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. A, a lot, lot of dialogue. 
and some of it is, it is, is uh, underscored by the orchestra. So a lot of it also feels very cinematic. Oh. You know how how in in movies when there's especially in old movies when there's a when there's a very poignant scene going on and there's talking, but it's always underscored by by a film score. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what is happening here. Um, with a lot of the dialogue. It's They're about also about great music. as close as you can get to a Broadway show and still be a, quote, opera. The, it's a, singing, re- the singing is very difficult right. and requires, um, you know, But it went through several changes, changes in orchestration when it went from Broadway to the opera stage right. at City Opera, and then the version's been changed two or three times since then even. The dialogue is amplified, but the singing is not. Is that correct? Uh, correct. That's, that's, That's what, what we're told. told. <laughs> <laughs> have you worked this way before, Susanna? That, I, I mean, have. That sounds, and, and is that an easy thing to be uh, dealing with or not? For me, it's rather difficult because you, you give up a certain amount of your performance, of control over your performance to someone else. So you, you don't necessarily get to um, choose how loud or soft something is, um, which is part of our choices as, a, as an artist. So that I find difficult. But once you just kind of let go and <laughs> give into it, it's, it's you know, it's The fun. sound design people, we are told, in this theater um, are very accustomed to this kind of thing and, and making it sound not amplified like, you know, hardcore amplified like mm-hmm. on Broadway, making a sound as natural and acoustic as possible. And because so much of the dialogue is underscored by the orchestra, there would be a a great balance problem if we weren't uh, amplified in our dialogues. And Easy. also, too, in this particular theater, the audience goes way out on each side of the stage. It's a thrust it's a, what stage. We call a thrust yeah. stage. It sticks out into the audience. So trying to make it look very natural, cinematic, um, we're trying not to play straight to the front all the time. We're trying to be very natural about it. And so that means at one point or another, you're going to have your back to somebody in the mm-hmm. audience. So the the slight amplification of dialogue helps people understand you. Right. Have, you have your back this is to a, them. This is a quirky little piece, and it's mm-hmm. not surprising that it didn't really find its home on the Broadway stage because of the audience that, uh, um, and also the way it's written. But it's also not surprising that it didn't really find a strong foothold on the larger operatic mm-hmm. stages because of the intimacy of the story and the details that you really have to follow. So the stage here at the Opera Theater of St. Louis is kind of the perfect place exactly, for yeah. this particular piece yeah. because you really are in it as an audience member. You feel like you're on the stage inside the room with these people. That's right. Mm-hmm. But the audience is really a part of They're really a part yeah. of it. But mm-hmm. it's also um, acoustically really great for real operatic singing, which it, this piece requires. Right. Mm-hmm. Susan, what can you tell me about Mark? Blitzstein, the the uh, composer of all this. Do you know? I mean, well, I, Mark I Blitzstein was. Let he, me just interrupt. You. I, my understanding was that he influenced people like Leonard Bernstein right. and, Absolutely. and Aaron, Aaron Copeland. Copeland. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. he was sort of the um, predecessor of, of those guys. He was writing in the in the 30s and 40s, and he sort of revolutionized American opera because he, in this piece, he brought jazz elements and ragtime, and it's very much. American music. You know, up until that time, the American operas that were being written by, you know, Samuel Barber and and some of those, his contemporaries still had the European mold and they had a real European feel to them. But but uh, Regina, particularly, because it's set in 1900 in Alabama, mm-hmm. has a real nod to gospel music and um, and ragtime and jazz. And there, there are a lot of those elements that make it quintessentially American. We can hear some of that music. Obviously, it'll only be, it'll be uh, synopsized, if you will. In the, in, the, uh, in the prologue and in the um, orchestral introduction to the piece, 
you can hear bits of how Leonard Bernstein was influenced in his writing of West Side Story. You can hear a lot of that in some of these, some of Blitzstein's writing. Leonard Bernstein was a huge fan. We're going to hear part of uh, Regina's aria, The Best Thing of All. Oh, well, dear. We hear any of that? Uh, this is you singing, Susan? Well, this is not me singing. Oh, it's not? No. Oh, 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 it's Regina's aria. But it is Regina's aria. Regina, but it was another This Regina. is a recording that was made a long time ago at New York City. Okay. Well, is there anything you can tell us about it before we... Uh, you listen? know, this pretty much sums up Regina. This is the moment where, where her plan to include herself in this investment situation is starting to come to fruition. And it, she's a very, very ambitious, greedy woman who will stop at nothing, as we see, as the opera unfolds. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this moment, she's explaining to her brothers that if you want something, you just take it. You know, if you want, if you want, if you want something that's over the water, I'm advised that uh, what we are listening to is uh, the New York City opera performance of it. I'm not sure who the performer is, but James, what about singing in English? Most of the time, I assume you don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, usually, yeah. <laughs> it must be very easy for you to do it this I way. I love it. I, I love it. it. It's fun to get my tongue around my own language, and yeah. uh, I, I love it when people say, gee, I understood what you were saying, So, which is very unusual. But no, in, in the opera world, it's usually uh, French, German, Italian, and, and Russian nowadays. But uh, it, it's a lot of fun to sing in English. But I, I feel like I can do things with the words that, that I can't in other languages, sure. Are you all proficient in the languages that you sing in? I mean, English, obviously, but Susanna, when you're singing in Italian, do you, are, are you fluent in Italian? Do you know exactly what you're singing? I, uh, whenever I sing something, I translate it word for word and also idiomatically, so I know what I'm trying to say. If you sat me at a dinner party, I could probably you know, ha yeah. hang in there until the political conversations start, mm -hmm. and then I would, you know, go south <laughs> very quickly. It would seem to we me... Call it, we call it, when we travel, you know, we travel all over the world for our professions, and we sing in all these different languages, we call it hotel and restaurant French. Yes. <laughs> but it would seem so important to understand the language. Well, of course, of we have to know what we're emote. singing, yeah. because, yeah. you know, if you're, you, you yeah. want to be sure that you're conveying the right emotion, mm -hmm. exactly. you know, not have a smile on your face when you're talking about how so somebody's... So in Italy, if you ever wanted, if, if ever there were a, a Da Ponte reference, we would be very, you know, quick to, to make it because we, mm. you know, we know all the da Ponte's librettos for the Mozart operas. But mm. once beyond that, that's a little, you know. And sometimes I, I've, I've caught myself speaking opera Italian, which is the equivalent of an American speaking Shakespearean English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's it's an ancient form that we sing, so we think that, you know, people just speak that way. I made that mistake several times, <laughs> especially in German. Uh, <laughs> old, old German... Uh, Certain words, like for instance, I've really got my wife angry with me one time because I referred to her as Vipe, oh. which is a very old German word for uh, wife, but it's considered 
very bad nowadays. It's disparaging now. Yeah, it's disparaging, you know. <laughs> I, I would think German, I know a little German, would be very difficult to sing. It's a, kind of a cumbersome language. I, I thought so at first, but yeah. now I've found that it's actually one of the easiest yeah. languages to sing. Spoken but, by yeah. the preeminent Votan of, you know, the past so, decades. So, so. so I understand. <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, traveling, and this is something I wanted to talk to you about. Because you, you bounce around from city to city and country to country singing in, in various languages. It reminds me of what must uh, a gypsy life must be like to a certain exactly degree. Exactly. Really? We're like circus performers. Yeah. But we don't travel in a troupe. We travel individually. Yeah. And then we meet up with casts um, for whatever show we're doing you know, around the it, world. It's a small world. Quite often you go to a different country, a different city, and you're working with a lot of people that you've worked with before. The longer you've been in the so. business, the smaller the world gets. Yeah, right. <laughs> Even so, Suzanne, I think going to another city and making another cast maybe with people that you haven't worked with so much, that that is an adjustment that also has to be made along with all the other things that we've been talking about. Oh, it certainly is. Sometimes it can feel like the first day of school over and over and over again. <laughs> That's true. I have a, a little bit of difficulty right now because I have um, two very small children. I have a two-year-old at home and a six-month-old at home. And so for me, this particular job was was um, kind of a challenge to um, you know, travel without your family and, and figure out what that is and how what works well for our family. And so it's just kind of all of those questions that are not normal. <laughs> this is not a normal job and not a normal lifestyle. And so to, to try and figure out, you know, how what the comfort level is for everybody and, and how that works. But we've been talking a lot. Um, this is we're spending a lot of time rehearsing here, this production mm -hmm. in St. Louis. And then our performances run through most of the month of June. So we were, we've been talking about how the theater and and opera theater particularly is so um, bonding mm -hmm. among people. You know, we've all been in this business a long time, mm -hmm. and and it's it's it doesn't always happen that you become such close friends and family with the, with your cast, but this time it really has occurred. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, you get one of those good ones where the chemistry between everybody is yeah. just right, and it really just fits like that. These two, I tell you, they're like two junior high school girls. <laughs> That's I'm not out, true. I'm hanging out with them like a fly on the wall. <laughs> well, he's like the high school jock. I was so going to say, go. he's the senior football captain. Football I wish, captain, right? no. <laughs> where, where, where do you live? What's your permanent? Uh, uh, I live in New Jersey, just about an hour outside of New what, York. What Warren, part? Warren, Warren, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I grew up in East Orange. Oh, so originally from Baltimore, but uh, I, I worked there for six years. See, yeah. it's a small world. About six yeah. degrees yeah. of separation. Away, right? <laughs> and Susan, for the, for you, this is sort of a homecoming for oh, Opera my Theater of St. Louis. Thirty years. Thank you for reminding yeah. me. Oh no, I I got my start here thirty years ago this season. I was very fortunate to uh, get to sing the role of Erica in Samuel Barber's Vanessa, another American opera, and. Um, I was very young, and it was very fun, and it just it just began, it launched my career. And, and it, you must have been very good because Mary Edwards, our producer, remembers the performance very well. She oh re my. she recorded it, I believe. Yes, she was telling me that yeah, earlier. Yeah. And where do you call home? Burbank, California. Ooh, how nice. And how about you, Susanna? I um I my home is in uh, well I live in New York with my husband and family. Um, I'm from Alabama, which makes this particular opera um, hit very close to home because the accent is right up the al my That's alley right. and the the. Kind She's of our accent coach. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't hear too much Alabama, but it must be there someplace. Get her going. Somewhere. 
let's listen to another uh, another piece of music. This one, uh, maybe you can set it up for me. One of you, Miss Birdie. That was uh, yes. That's my character. Okay, mm-hmm. but but not you singing. So what, no. What's this all about? Yeah. So this is um, a a very big scene, which I I you know I love getting the opportunity to sing. It's um, at the end. It's, it's in the third act. Um, she has a little too much to drink, and all of a sudden, all of her feelings of the family flow out of her kind of when you have a bit of a breakdown and so it's it's a large scene but throughout it uh, you see all sides of her and you see how you know what a an incredible memory lionette which is the name of her plantation mm-hmm. the name of her home and that's what she clings to in this horrible environment that she's married into miss bird that elderberry wine gonna give you a headache again headache Oh, I don't think it will. Mama used to say, you can stop the pups by sipping slowly. And I Mama used to say, I can see her laughing. My first New York City opera performance once again. Susanna, uh, what are you thinking when you hear someone else singing your <laughs> role? Well, it's interesting. I, I, you know, as we were listening to that, I just took my headphones off because I didn't, I didn't want to hear it. I haven't heard that particular ro- recording. Oftentimes, you know, when I do a, a, a study a role, I will learn it and then listen to several recordings to get. To, to kind of see what other people have done with it. This has been a really interesting project for me because there really are only two recordings available and neither one is really definitive. There isn't a there isn't a kind of famous recording of Regina. <laughs> so so we uh, we're kind of able to create our own versions of the role really as and if it were a premiere or something. As if it were a premiere and you can kind of in the room work out what you want to do dramatically and musically. And when we were just listening to that, I, I, I listened to the first two phrases, and I, I do it so differently, and I didn't want to be influenced, um, because I like the choices that we've created in the room, and I didn't, I didn't want to be influenced by another person's interpretation, as good as it may be. It, I don't think that would you know, fit in our, our show, and so I, I kind of was willfully ignorant. <laughs> That's what's been so great, this whole experience, because all of us are doing our roles for the first time. And like Susanna said, there's not a whole lot to draw from as far as 
well, we never try to imitate other people, but being influenced by other people. And so it's been a great experience. But music is music, isn't it? You're all singing the same notes. Uh, no. Well, there's different ways, different ways to <laughs> sing the same notes. <laughs> it's all about expression and interpretation, and we can take, you know, we can emphasize different phrases and, and according to how they, what they mean to us. I mean, Susanna, in that scene that you just heard, she is heartbreaking because it's it's so nostalgic and what she's remembering and the way that she expresses those feelings of nostalgia and sadness is just it goes straight through your heart yeah all, all of a it's sudden very it's, different it's not this. an opera singer singing it's a person singing and there's not a dry eye in the house Mm-mm. i'm sure well the house is going to be at the loretto hilton and uh Regina opens at the Loretto Hilton Center May 26th, several performances through June 24th. We'll put all of that information on our website. People are not writing all this down (laughs) so that they'll know exactly when that's happening. Well, we're having the best time, and I just hope that everyone who comes to see it gets as uh, involved and and enwrapped in the story as we are. Sounds great. And you're great to talk to, and I'm sure you're wonderful performances. You must be, or you wouldn't be here. <laughs> Susan <laughs> Graham, James Morris, and uh, Susanna Phillips, thank you. Break thank a, you. Break a leg when you thank open you. up. Thank the Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.